<laughs> good morning, good morning, good morning. Hallelujah. God's grace is sufficient for all of us. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for his grace. This morning, the keys to the open door of the kingdom. We have keys, each one of you, whether it's a car, whether it's your apartment, or whether it's your locker. We all have keys, right? We have keys to our kingdom. Today, we're going to talk about keys. Our keys to the kingdom. Our ability to open and close spiritual doors, maybe doors to the kingdom. Matthew 16, starting in 13 through 19, and I actually did the Amplified Bible today on this. Now, when Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they say some is John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of those prophets. But Jesus says, who do you yourselves say I am? And Simon Peter, the brave one, said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood, men, flesh and blood, have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus reveals himself to each one of us. He goes on, he says, I tell you, he had just called him Simon Barjona, but he says, I tell you, you are Peter. Peter, Peter meaning Petros, a large piece of rock. You are Peter. And on this rock, a different word, similar, meaning Petra, a huge rock, like Gibraltar. We're all part of the kingdom of our Father, right? We're all one with him. He is the rock. People get this mixed up. But he says, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of power, the powers of hell shall not overpower it. I like what it says in the Passion. It says, I gave you the name Peter, which means a stone. And this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. Just to confirm this to you, there's another scripture I didn't put this up there, but it talks about that, that Jesus, the rock is Jesus. And this is 1 Corinthians 10. It says, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual food and drink. And they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. The rock of Jesus is our foundation. It is the foundation of the church. It is our foundation. I also put up on here just one more in reference to this rock. It's Ephesians 2, and it's starting in 19. We are no longer foreigners. We're no longer strangers, but we are fellow citizens with God's people, and also we are members of the household. In the Passion, it says, the children of the city of the Holy Ones. 
We are members of his household. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, each one of us. And in him, you too, we too are being built today together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Holy Spirit in each and every one of us. I've heard the chief cornerstone. I've sang a song about the chief cornerstone, but what does that mean? Well, it's a rock on which the entire weight rests. We don't have to hold ourselves up anymore. We can trust in Jesus. And then I found this from Science and Tech magazine. It says, a cornerstone initially was the first stone laid at the corner, a cornerstone, to commemorate, to call to remembrance. Jesus, he's our cornerstone. And then it continued in this article, and I love this. I'd never heard this before. Cornerstones symbolize seeds. <laughs> Haven't we talked about we're seed sowers? Cornerstones symbolize seeds from which buildings would germinate and rise. Don't you love that? I love that. I never thought of a cornerstone that way. But God's planting his word in us. He wants us to germinate. He's going to germinate us and cause us to rise. Hallelujah. That's an interesting perspective, I thought. Anyway, continuing on in Matthew 16, 19. And Jesus says to Peter and to us, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind, whatever you declare to be improper, unlawful, on earth must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. So Jesus says to Peter, I give you the keys. We all have keys. <laughs> you ever seen a key that looked like this? <laughs> we have keys. All right, so I just had to look at what that term right there, you have the keys. I wanted to look at what that said in the New Testament. When I looked that up, it meant a key as in shutting a lock. It rooted down to Another word that meant to close, to shut up. I thought this was interesting. In the New Testament, that's the only definition of a key, was to shut up. So I looked for a couple other scriptures that I'm going to give you that have the same meaning for key as what he was talking about here, keys. I'm going to go to Revelation. And Revelation 1, this is John, he has this revelation, he writes it down in the ninth verse. John has a vision, he starts to write it down. He says, I, John, your brother, your companion in the kingdom, 
because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, I saw someone like the Son of Man. And then what does he say in verse 17? This is his vision. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, Do not be afraid, John. I am the first. I am the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. In other words, he had the key. He shut up the devil. He took the keys out of Satan's power. He shut him up. These are the same keys that Jesus gave to Peter. And it was a confirmation to John and to us that Jesus fully and completely triumphed over the devil on the cross and that he, Jesus, is in the possession of the keys of death and hell. He has the authority. He has given us the authority. Now, one more in Revelations. Going on, John had a little bit more to his vision, right? He had all these different cities that he wrote to. So I'm going down to Revelations 3, verse 7. And this is just one of the churches. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy, who is true, and who holds the key of David. The key of David, well, Jesus, this is his lineage. He has the keys of his whole household. He's taken the responsibility. He takes responsibility for all of us. He's the cornerstone. We can put our trust in him. And what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. And then one more, and this I thought was interesting, so I wanted to share this with you. One more place that the key in the New Testament was used. And this is out of Luke eleven fifty-two. I have it in the NIV. And he's saying this to the Pharisees now. Not to us, to the Pharisees. Woe to you experts in the law. You who think you know it all. <laughs> because... You have taken away the key to knowledge. Jesus wants us to know everything about him. But here were people, they were using the word to shut people out. Woe to you because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered and you have hindered those who were entering. This is serious. But this was one of the three places in the New Testament, that we're talking about the same keys. Anyway, just to go back over that, God and Jesus wants everyone to know about him. God wants to restore what he gave to Adam and Eve. He wants us to be able to have responsibility. And through him, he purchased it for us. He purchased life. And he wants us to know about the love of God and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. Keys are symbols of authority and of ruling power. Now, I just had to look at what key meant in the Old Testament. And there were only two places 
in the Old Testament where it used the word key. I'm just going to share one with you today. The meaning of, in the Old Testament, like I said, I thought this was quite interesting. In the Old Testament, it means an opener. And then it roots down to, to open wide, to loosen. I love that, that it said open wide and loosen because that's where the keys to the kingdom, it's saying bind and loosen. But then Jesus, they're saying what he shut, no man can open. To me, they're together that this key meant to open wide, to loosen. And then it also added to plow. I like that being from a farm <laughs> in the spring. You have the field out there. You take a plow, it turns over the soil, and we called it open the field. You open the field for the seed to come in. To let go, to lose self, an opening, to put off, to ungird, to unstop, to have vent. This key is an opener in the Old Testament. Isaiah was prophesying to all different kinds, all different cities. So by the time you got to chapter 22, now he was going to give this prophecy over Jerusalem. Okay, well, Jerusalem, in verse 20, it says, Then it shall be in that day. What is happening in that day? If you read the first part of that whole chapter, this is Jerusalem. This is the cornerstone. <laughs> this is the foundation of peace. This is where everybody went to. This is where... The scribes and the Pharisees, you know, they were the smartest ones and the most holy ones. They were in Jerusalem. And what did the first 19 verses say? It says kind of a little bit what it looks like in our world today. There were terrible, horrible things going on in Jerusalem. I'm not even going to go there. But they were being done. What does Isaiah prophesy about Jerusalem he says, then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant. Oh, he's got a servant. His name is Eliakim. Eliakim? What does that mean? That means God of raising, like raising up. God in the midst of the darkest, horriblest day, God is raising up his servant, Eliakim. The God of the raising up, the son of Hilkiah, the Son of God. I will clothe him with your robe, robe of righteousness. I will strengthen him with your belt, your belt of truth. I will commit your responsibility into his hands, says the New King James Version. In other versions, that says, I will give your rule into his hand. This hand was the open hand of God. It wasn't closed. It was an open hand of God. I will give your rule into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah and the key of the house of David. I will lay on his shoulder. So, he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one shall open. Well, I will lay this on the shoulder. What in the world? <laughs> I just thought I'd see if that did anything for me because this is a new kind of key, you know, putting it on my shoulder. <laughs> well, since I wear it on my shoulder, 
this key could be the key to a whole Hilton building or the whole thing, right? Probably, though, because <laughs> I've used it. It was a key for one night to one little room. But what in the world does that mean, keys to lay on his shoulder? Well, I found something. Can you see that? These things hanging down. These are keys. They hung them on their shoulder. They were made of iron. How would you like one of those keys? <laughs> Carry those things around. The weight. It was made of iron. I will lay the key on the shoulder. This picture is worth a thousand words. He carries the weight of responsibility to open and close. And this was a prophecy to me of Jesus, of what Jesus was going to do in the days of darkness. And when Jesus came, he would take the keys away from the enemy. He was going to be raised up. Okay, so I'm thinking about this opening and closing. So I have a little demonstration. Jesus took away the keys of the devil. The enemy is defeated. He has no feet. He can't move. He's disarmed. In Mark, it says he can't even talk. He can't even talk. Now, he can try. He can try. And it is true. He's right here. He appears to be right here. Jesus shut the door on the enemy. God has given us authority. This is just me, because I've been there day in, day out. I bind, I bind, I bind. I've given my life up to binding. Well, today the Lord told me, open! Emphasis on open. The Lord, our Jesus, he has already done away with the devil. And like I said, it doesn't mean he's not like this. But we have authority, right? We have authority. Another example of this is the policeman, right? He has his badge. We're at a stop sign. We have 18-wheelers. They have lots of power, right? But here's the little policeman in the middle, and he's using hand signals. He's got the authority. That's all we have to do. You know, when the enemy comes up here, he's trying to tell us things. Wait a minute. My Jesus has already, he's already defeated the enemy. He's bound. He cannot talk. He's been defeated. He's been put there until Jesus unlocks it. Jesus says also in Luke 10, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm us. This is something that we can stand on. Before I go any further, I just want to remind us that Jesus is our cornerstone. He has the weight of responsibility on him. We can trust him. He has the keys. He's given Peter the keys. He's given us the keys. We have the keys to unlock. We have the keys to open. Whatever we bind is bound. Whatever we release, whatever we open is open. We can open all of heaven's treasures. 
And so with that, I want to go a little further into the open doors, the loosing, the releasing of the bound up ones. Isaiah talked about this Eliakim, who was the raising up. John in Revelation, he had a revelation that it was really Jesus, that Jesus really took this, that he shall open and no man can shut, and he can shut and no man can open. Jesus told Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom, so whatever you forbid, that is what is forbidden in heaven, and whatever you release on earth, that is what is released in heaven. I'm going to give you one more example of an open door. I don't know, boys and girls, when you're little, I was the oldest in my family, so when the little boys would try to come to my room with my friends, I would stand like this. Did any of you do this? Ah, nobody ever did that. Well, our rooms were upstairs, and so my room was off one way, and there were no other rooms there. All the other ones went that way. So most of the time, the little boys, they would go off that way. But every once in a while, they would come to the room where the girls were. And so I would stand in the doorway and go, no, no. <laughs> anyway, this example, I just felt like what I saw Jesus showing me is he says, I am the door, right? Doesn't Jesus say, I am the door? Come through me. When you come through me, it's an opening. When you open the door, there's all of this. And when you come through that door, all the dark is behind us and all the light is before us. Everything that God has is in front of us and before us. And it's always through Jesus. He's the door. What I'm going to be sharing with you is some scriptures to open the door that these things are ours. These are possibilities. And these are things that Jesus has for us. First of all, in Genesis 7.11, Remember God's provision of the ark? All the animals and Noah's family went through those huge doors. They had to have it for the elephants, <laughs> right? But it's a huge door. Jesus is a huge door for us. We can go through. He's a gateway. And then it says the floodgates of heaven opened and it rained. Never done that before, but talk about opening. The heavens opened. Jesus said, I am the door. Then further in Deuteronomy 28, 12, this is the message, so you get somewhere around 12. <laughs> God says, this is one of the blessings from Deuteronomy. God will lavish you with good things. He will throw open the doors of his sky vaults. <laughs> what kind of vaults does he have? I mean, we think vaults, right? Like money. <laughs> but his heavens, he throws open the doors of his sky vaults and pours rain on your land to schedule and bless the work you take in your hand. You will lend to many nations, but you yourself will not have to take out a loan. God will make you the head, not the tail. You will always be the top dog and not the underdog. <laughs> That's the way it says it in the, in the message. Open doors, the sky, the heavens. Over and over it talked about this in the Old Testament. It goes on in Psalms 78 and uh, 23. These are all just little clips here. 
yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven and rained down manna for them to eat and gave them grain of heaven, the grain of heaven, the bread of heaven. Jesus is the bread. We have everything we need. This is out of Psalms. Psalms is the book of David. Again, he has the key of David. Psalms 118 verse 19 says, Open for me the gates of righteous, of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. Open the gates of the righteous. He opened his gates. of. He gave us his righteousness. We have his, we're not running on, we're not depending on our righteousness. Psalms 145, 15 and 16, this is out of the New King James. It says, the eyes of all look expectantly to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. God opens his hand. He satisfies the desire of every living thing. You and me. He's got an open hand. His hand is never closed. It's always open. I feel like what the Lord wants us to get is, you know, get a bigger picture of our God in the world that we live in because we're being assaulted. We see so many things, kind of like Jerusalem. There were so many bad things going on, but God wants us today to see he's got everything. He's got all the, what's it say, the the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. We don't get that necessarily because we're not farmers necessarily, but we got our things. God can do for us in spite of our situations, or I think the word was condition. We need to believe God that he can redeem that, whatever the time is, whatever the situation is, whatever the health issue is, 38 years is nothing for God. God can do it. God can do it. In Matthew 3.16, Jesus there, he came out of the water and what happened again? The heavens were opened. Remember when Jesus went and he said, You know, I have to be dunked in the water. And he came up and there was the stuff came down and the heavens were opened. In Matthew 13, Jesus is talking at this point, and this is verse 35. Jesus spoke all these things. He did not say anything without using a parable. And he says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. He reveals himself to us. He opens his mouth to us. Reveal his heart, his kingdom to us that we can use in our everyday life. And then there was Zechariah. We all remember Zechariah, right? Luke 1, he couldn't talk for a while. And sometimes that's a good thing for us not to talk for a while because then we won't say anything bad. (laughs) This is just a little clip out of this. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote his name is John. He didn't write Zach Jr. If he would have written Zach Jr., his mouth would not have been open. But he wrote, this is John. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was set free and he began to speak Praising God. Praising God. Our mouths are open. We have opportunities. God wants to 
use us in the world today. He wants us to believe for more of his revelation, more of his understanding to walk in the world that we live in today. In uh, Matthew 7, this is 7 and 8, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and what? The door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus is the door. The doors are open. He says, I am the door. And he says that in John 10, 9. And in the Passion, it says, I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction through him. When I was thinking about this, you know, I was I was thinking about, you know, <laughs> all these rooms around here that every door that we open every door and it has God has every kind of thing for us as we're walking for us kids, whether it's spiritually, emotionally, physically, he has these doors he wants to open for us. So I went to X12 and I put the whole thing up here because I just so love this story. It has so many good things. So I put it up here for you. It's Acts. I'm starting at Acts 1. And this is Peter. Okay. So it starts out, though, King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He proceeded then to seize Peter also. He put him in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for Peter. Well, the night before Herod was to bring Peter to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. He was bound, was bound with two chains. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. But suddenly, suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in his cell. He struck Peter on the side. <laughs> wake up, wake up, get up. What did he say? Get up. I'm going to raise you up. Get up, he said. And what happened? The chains fell off Peter's wrist. Talk about the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God within us. No, we can't do things in our own strength, but we have the Spirit of God living in us and whatever we need. He supplies our every need. The angel said, get up, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. And then the angel said, put on your clothes and your sandals. We have our clothes, our robes of righteousness, our sandals that we walk in peace, maybe. And then he says, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. So Peter followed him out, out of the prison. The prison doors were open, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought. He was seeing a vision. And they passed the first and then the second guards. And then they came to the iron gate leading to the city. And what happened? It opened by itself. They had no other explanation. It opened for them by itself. And they went through it. When they walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left. Then Peter came to himself and said, 
well, <laughs> my friend has left. I'm out of prison. <laughs> he said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish religious people were hoping would happen to him. When this had dawned on him, he decided to go to the house where all those people had gathered and they were praying for him. They were praying for him, right? So Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and here comes Miss Rhoda. She came to answer the door, but when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening the door, and she said, Peter's at the door, y'all. We've been praying, right? Peter's at the door, and what did they say? They're all praying, too. Aren't we praying and expecting Peter to be let loose? <laughs> and they said, you're out of your mind, Rhoda. <laughs> You're out of your mind, they told her. And when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, well, it just must be his angel. <laughs> oh, gosh, Lord. I mean, I just love this because we're praying, we're praying, and our answer is standing at the door. <laughs> oh, that couldn't be it. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, and then he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Out of prison. Jesus is wanting to bring us and those we come in contact with out of the prisons of self, out of the prison of bondage that we have been in. I have one more for today. And that's out of Acts 26. And this, now that was Peter. Now I'm going to go to Paul. Okay. And Paul is in prison too, I believe. And he's telling King Agrippa about when he saw and heard Jesus. And so he's telling him, well, while I was traveling to Damascus, I saw a light from heaven. And it was at midday, but it was brighter than the sun. And we all fell down. And then I said, why are you persecuting me? But I said to him, who are you, Lord? And he answered, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Get up and stand on your feet. I will rescue you, Paul, Saul, Paul. I will rescue you from your own people. I am sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Okay, so here we have, we have Peter and we have Paul and they've been set free. They've been changed. Oh my gosh, Saul, you know, he was running around killing all the people, <laughs> you know, I mean, he knew, but here he was, he wrote the greatest book. I'm trying to get you to have a vision today of more. We're so thankful. We're so appreciative of what God has done. But he wants to do more. That's what I'm trying to sell you. More. He wants to open doors for you. More so. More so than you've ever seen or heard. 
This is out of Colossians 4. May God open a door for our message of grace, for our message of Jesus Christ, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ to the world around us, that we may proclaim it clearly, Father, in the name of Jesus, that whenever we speak, that there may be words given to us so that we will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel the good news that you're a good, good father. We thank you that you have opened doors, Father God, that you are raising us up. We thank you that you are each one of our cornerstones, that we can lean on you, that we can trust in you, that we give the glory, Father God, that you will be commemorated through us for your glory, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you that there were so many other things that were opened in the New Testament, in the Acts. The prison doors were open. The blind men whose eyes were open, Father God, the ears were open. There was mouths open. There were tongues open. We thank you, Father God. Even Philip, Father God, when he got up and he told the man about Isaiah 53 that he could be healed, it was a mouth of revelation. We thank you, Father God. We open the door of revelation more revelation to each one of us, to wisdom, to understanding, to knowledge, Father God. We open these doors, Father God, where we have felt inadequate, where we have felt the need for and the desire, Father God, to have more of you. We open these doors today, Father God. We just thank you, Father God, that we'll see when we pray like Rhoda and those people, they were praying, Father God, but they didn't see the answer standing there at the door. Help us all to open the door, Father God, to receive what you have, Father God, whatever it is that we need. Thank you for the things in, in the spirit that your doors of love, Father God, are open to us. We thank you, Father God, for things that in our soul where we feel inadequate, Father God, that you will heal all of those parts of us. If there's parts in us that we don't even know, Father God, we ask that you open the door of any hurt. If there's anger within us that we don't even know, if there's some kind of abuse, whether we have been abused by someone else, we ask you to open that up, Father God, that it will be loosed that it has no place in us. We ask for a miraculous power of health and healing into us, into our very souls, Father God, in Jesus' name, that we're loved, that you love us, Father God, so very much. We thank you, Father God, that even Peter, when he was on the rooftop, that he saw heaven opened, and then he was called to Cornelius' house to open his mouth to proclaim peace through Jesus that in proclaiming that peace, that the Holy Spirit fell, Father God, that you made people holy, that you made them clean, that you made them part of the kingdom, that we know we are part of the kingdom. We thank you, Father God, that we have the keys to open the doors of your grace. We thank you, Father God, for doors of joy, that we will be full of joy. We thank you for opening the door of hope, that we will be hopeful. We open the door of faith, Father God, that we will be faithful. We thank you, Father God, for your truth. We thank you, Father God, that we are courageous. 
We thank you, Father God, that you free us from every bondage. We thank you, Father God, that by the Spirit of God, that we are full of your grace, that we are full of your kingdom, that your kingdom lives within us, Father God, that we are sons of God, we are daughters of God, we are led by the Spirit of God in every which way. We give you, Father God, praise and glory and thanksgiving, Father God. We thank you for healing, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for doors open, Father God, of of recovered livers, Father God, recovered open doors of kidneys and hearts and lungs. And we thank you, Father God, our brains function, that our circulatory system, every one of our physical parts of our body that we are healed, we recover, Father God. We thank you, Father God, that our bones are strong, Father God, and that, that the word of God is health and healing to all our nerves and our muscles, our sinews. We give you praise and glory for that. We thank you, Father God, that also in that is provision, Father God, that that if, if there's a car needed, Father God, for the kingdom, that cars will come or airplanes will come or trains will come or whatever it is in the physical realm that we need for business, our businesses to prosper for your glory, Father God, and for our good. And we give you praise and glory, Father. We thank you for your grace, your door of grace that has been opened to us, Father God. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Mark Testerman, Senior Pastor of Triumphant Grace Ministries. I want to say thank you for listening to the finished work gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that the good news found throughout the message has richly encouraged you in the love of the Father. Friends, this podcast is supported by the generous financial support of its listeners. And if today's message has ministered to you, then would you consider a gift that ministers back to us? You can text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 833-632-1315, or you can visit triumphantgrace.com and donate through PayPal or credit card. The cornerstone scripture for Triumphant Grace Ministries is found in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Great grace, such grace, triumphant grace to you. God bless you.